Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. It's fun to say hi to everybody, isn't it? I know. As we, as we kick into uh, today's message on God's mission, let's, uh, let's pause and say a prayer. I know that, uh, you know, today, today's kind of the day that the staff set aside to pray for our graduates. So whether, whether you're graduating from, uh, from high school or whether you're graduating from college, uh, I know my son Doug just hopped in the car this morning and headed off to his, uh, what he is affectionately referring to as his big adult job. <laughs> and so uh, just as, uh, as graduates are transitioning in their life and looking at, at some changes and stuff like that, let's, uh, let's, let's pray for them. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. You are high and lifted up. You are glorious. We're absolutely perfect, and we are not. Thanks for loving us anyways. Lord, as we, uh, as we think about our graduates and the amount of change that they're undergoing, some are graduating from high school, and they're, uh, they're trying to figure out what college is going to even look like, and some are graduating from college, and they're looking forward to, to new jobs and and. and and, and change in that way, and Lord, just as we as we approach change, we pray, Lord God, that uh, that you would watch over our young people as they transition, that you would keep them in true faith unto everlasting life, that you would remind them over and over again, as we do, that they are loved, and that you would walk with them every step of the way. Lord, I think of um, I think of a couple of friends, especially, but I think of of our nation tomorrow as uh, as the nation celebrates Memorial Day tomorrow. That you would be with those who are mourning loss. That you would comfort them, draw near to them. And today, Lord God, as you as we open up your Word, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as you did on the day of Pentecost, that you might receive all the glory and honor as we discuss your great and mighty works. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. God does amazing things when, people, when his people are gathered together. Um, and sometimes it's kind of in spite of his people. I, you know, I, I think of... I think of the number of times that I have fallen asleep while someone is preaching. It's up there, you know? I think of the number, even, even greater than that number is the number of times that I have fallen asleep during a prayer meeting. I can tell you what, I have no idea why we schedule prayer meetings when we do. 
Is Jerry here? Jerry, I love you. I'm, I'm obviously not talking about men's prayer that meets Saturday mornings at 7 o'clock in the morning. Obviously not talking about that because that's plenty late enough in the day. But I don't know. It seems like every church that I've been to, uh, prayer meetings are regularly either very early in the morning or like kind of late in the evening at just the right time when if I sit down for just too long, the chances are very high that I'm going to fall asleep. The disciples knew this too because... Even that day, that, that Passover day that, uh, that Jesus was betrayed, when Jesus took them out to the garden, he said, hey, pray with me. I got a lot going on right now. Pray with me. What did they do? They fell asleep. He woke them up. Guess what they did? Fell asleep again. They woke them up, and guess what they did? They fell asleep again. He had to wake them up three times. So obviously the disciples know what's up when they get into a prayer gathering or when they're just kind of gathered together that sometimes, Sometimes you fall asleep. Matter of fact, uh, let's see. It was a long time ago. I was pastoring in another church, not this one, another one. And um, we, had, we had a guy named Bert who was somewhere between 90 and 100. I'm not entirely sure exact age. Bert used to sit like in the equivalent of like right here, except in a, in a different building. And... Uh, and Bert, Bert came over from uh, Germany, loved the Lord, uh, and Bert fell asleep every Sunday. Now, at that time, I was not yet graduated from seminary, and I was fairly confident that Bert had heard much better sermons on any text that I preached on any Sunday. And so I had, I had no problem with Bert falling asleep. I didn't take it personal. I just figured that if Bert falls, fell asleep, that, you know, that was probably exactly what Bert needed that day. But occasionally, after Bert fell asleep, as I was preaching, like right in the middle of the sermon, Bert would stand up and start singing in German. I would do it for you, but I don't, I don't know German. He would just start singing in German. That was the moment I knew my sermon was done for the day. <laughs> and I would ask Dory, you know, the, our, our uh, pianist, organist, hey, Dory, could you move to the piano? And I'd ask Bert. I'd say, Bert, what song are you singing so we can sing along with you? And he would tell us so that we could sing in English while he's singing in German. And I knew that was it. But sometimes... When God does something amazing in the middle of your gathering, when, the, when believers in Jesus Christ are gathered together and just something different happens, sometimes that's our cue. To stop what we're doing. Pay attention to what God's doing. Because God does amazing things when his people are gathered together. God does amazing things when his people are gathered together. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2, because as we're going through this series on God's mission, uh, there is no way that we cannot take a look at uh, Pentecost. Now, I had planned on preaching on this text last week, but last week was confirmation, and due to the fact that we had, what, nine confirmation students, I decided that I loved you, 
and that I wouldn't let nine confirmation students share and then me preach an entire sermon. <laughs> so I let them all take care of the preaching last week and, uh, and postpone Pentecost. But pe- last week was really the Sunday that we would traditionally send, celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is just a fancy word for 50th, by the way. Okay, Pentecost literally is just translated from uh, the Greek and into, in, transliterated into English. It's not something super spiritual. It just means the 50th day since Easter. So on the 50th day after Easter, after Jesus rose from the dead, this is what happened. It's in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Perga and Pamphylia, Egypt, and even parts of, uh, of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Here ends the reading of God's word. I love God's word. Um, and one of the things that I love it is when when God tells a real story, because it's God's word, not mine, when God tells a real story, he even adds in like things that are, not only does he add in things that are completely unbelievable, okay, like someone standing up front and speaking, and yet everyone else in the room, regardless of where they're from, hears it in their own language. Not only does he include unbelievable things, but he even includes the things that we don't like to include. I can tell you a lot of stories about worship gatherings. Not once have I told you about all the words of challenge and criticism that I've received on the way out. But Luke, when he's writing, you know, Acts, he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate. God, through the power of inspiration, doesn't hesitate to say, nah, some were mocking and said that they were drunk. God tells the whole story. He tells the whole story. And so as we take a look at God's mission and God's heart for mission and his love for his people, we take a look at God pouring out the, day, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's amazing. So what ends up happening is there's a, there's a worship gathering that's not too much different than this, maybe a few more people. So there was probably around 120 people gathered together on that day. 
So it's a light Sunday. It's okay. You, everybody online, on the online campus, you count. Don't worry about it. So in the midst of their gathering, God does something amazing. Just as he promised, Jesus said, as, as just as he was about to be uh, you know, lifted up, and we preached on the ascension a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, as, as he was about to be lifted up, he says, hey, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the outer parts of the world. And it's amazing but the disciples actually obeyed this time. They listened. They stayed together. They stayed in Jerusalem. And I say that's amazing, not because I think that, you know, not because I'm trying to diss the, uh, the disciples, although they were prone to disobedience. I know that because I also am prone to disobedience. Someone just merely has to say, stay home. And I do not want to stay home. It's true. Stay home. Stay home for two weeks. No, I don't want to stay home. I want to go out. Where do you want to go? I don't care. I just want to go. It's like this, like this reaction within me that I must get out of the house now that somebody has told me to stay home. But the disciples listened. And as he said, stay there, wait in Jerusalem, they did. And on the day of Pentecost... God pours out his Holy Spirit. And he does it in a fantastic way where this huge rushing wind rushes through Jerusalem and then just comes right to the house where they're gathered. And I have no idea how this rushing wind gathered a multitude of people, but it did. It gathered a multitude of people. And as this rushing wind rushed into the house and blew around the upper room where they were gathered, it separated into tongues of fire that hung over their heads. Now, that sounds super cool, scary, but super cool. I think that is the reason why Word of Life was required to put in the sprinkler system. <laughs> Apparently, I know it wasn't in the building plan. I know it wasn't in the original plan. I know it was a very expensive late addition to the building. I'm fairly positive that the, you know, that the fire marshal said, you know, heard this story and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to need some sprinklers in here just in case it happens again. It could. It could. Rushing wind, gathered multitudes, tongues of fire on top of people's heads, and the ultimate miracle that all of the followers of Jesus are speaking the great and mighty works of God in, a, in tongues so that everyone there could fully understand. Regardless of where they're from or, or where they live, they're all gathered together for the festival of weeks. And as every people from every nation are gathered for the festival of weeks, they hear the gospel, because that's what the great and mighty works of God are. Remember, when we say gospel, we're talking about what God has done for us. And so, you know, that's what they get to hear that day. And they got to hear it in their own language. For those of you who only speak one language, for those of us who, who have one main language, you get what hearing in your language really means. 
when I was in high school, actually, it was a few years ago now, but uh, when I was in high school, I dated a Norwegian exchange student, and uh, she'd come over from Norway for the year, and um, it was awesome dating her, and we had a great time. Um, whenever we were gathered in a group of friends, most of her friends were also Norwegian exchange students, and we'd be gathering, get, hanging out together and stuff like that. But whenever they got really emotional, whether it was like really excited or really happy or really sad, um, they immediately switched from English to Norwegian. And as I was standing there, not understanding a word they said, I regularly would have a friend walk up to me and elbow me in the side and say, they're all laughing at you. <laughs> You see, when we have something like, that's like deeply personal and that's like super passionate to us, we have this tendency apparently to like transition into our, our native language. And what happens that day on the day of Pentecost is in their native language, people are able to hear the gospel. And what is the greatest, the mightiest work of God? the greatest, mightiest work of God that he has ever done is that God the Father sent his one and only Son to be clothed in humanity, to be born a baby boy, to live a perfect life, and to die a perfect death, taking our place on that cross and taking the sins of all of humanity upon himself and dying as a perfect sacrifice to pay the debt for those sins. But death couldn't hold him. And the great and mighty works of God is incomplete without talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, rising to new life three days later. And he appeared to people all along the way for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. The great and mighty works of God, the gospel, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's what people got to hear that day in their own language. And it's amazing. But even in the midst of something absolutely awesome happening among thousands of people as they heard the gospel, there's still mockers. There's still some people in the crowd saying, they're drunk. Now, we have no idea if the reason why they're saying that is because they hear them speaking in all different languages and they don't understand whatever language they speak in you know, in Persia or, you know, and in, in, in uh, Pamphylia. It's a really long list. It's a really long list. I mean, when you think about it, I don't even know what language they sp the Elamites speak. Do you? You know, I mean, we could be really reductionist and say, well, they probably speak Elam. But I don't think that's true. Each one hearing in their own language, and yet there's still somebody in the crowd who's saying, hey, this isn't real. They're all drunk. Now, 
My only assumption is that this poor man who is mocking the Lord has never been drunk because I have been around drunk people and I can tell you for certain that drinking alcohol does not help you learn other languages. Okay, the option is not, I do really wish that, uh, that Maria was here. So Maria, who is a Spanish teacher over at the high school, if you're watching online, this is for you. Hey, the choice is not, seriously, kids, choice is not work real hard to learn a language or just drink a lot of whiskey. Those two things do not do the same thing. You see, in my experience being around people who have had too much to drink, they don't speak more clear or new languages. They do slur quite a bit. Drunkenness can't possibly explain what's happening. But mockery, mockery happens when people are rejecting the gospel. When people see a miracle and they try to explain it by any stretch of the imagination, it can't possibly be the work of God. It can't possibly be the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what kind of thing that they were drinking, this new wine that would create tongues of fire over people's head. But mockers will mock. And those who reject the gospel will reject the gospel. But it does not stop the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't stop the Lord from putting his word in believers' mouths. Because, you know, when Jesus Christ told them that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the outer parts of the world, I don't think that they had any idea that that was going to start 10 days later right there in their hometown because God brought the nations to them that day. And God gave them the opportunity to share the gospel that day with people from all sorts of tongues and nations so that they could hear. And if you take a little look at the end of chapter 2, after Peter preaches a killer sermon, which is awesome. Verse 41 says that so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 people believed in Jesus that day as they heard the gospel spoken in their tongue. And so if you wonder what God's mission is, what the heart of his mission is, is to reach people, is to reach everyone with the gospel that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and he is for you. He is for you. That's the great mission. That is the mission that he invites us into. We now get to be his witnesses. We are doing exactly what they were doing, sharing the great and mighty works of God, sharing the gospel. And God sends us out 
to be his witnesses. And who knows what great things God will do as he pours out his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you for bringing us together today to worship you, to proclaim your great and mighty works. We have proclaimed your greatness in singing, in praying, in preaching, in the reading of your word. We glorify your name, not because we have to, because of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you for sending your son to be our savior. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit to fill us up anew, to fill us up to overflowing. We ask you humbly, Lord God, that you would give us opportunities to share your gospel, to share your great and mighty works with those who need to hear it. There are so many, Lord, who don't yet believe. So we ask you to give us opportunity and courage and boldness to speak your gospel, to be your witnesses. Because while you don't need our good works and our good words, as Luther said, our neighbors do. Go before us, Lord, preparing good works in advance that we might walk in them. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen.